Welcome to the podcast series, Withers Talks Cryptocurrency. I am Charles Kolstad, a tax partner at Withers and part of the Withers Global Cryptocurrency Team. I am delighted to host this podcast series. In these podcasts, I am asking cryptocurrency-related questions to my colleagues in the Withers Cryptocurrency Group around the world. Today, I am speaking with Chris Levine, a partner in Withers litigation team in the New York office who has several enterprise clients in the cryptocurrency space. He focuses his practice on white collar and regulatory work. Our topic today is, what is the future of crypto regulation? Before we get started, I want to remind listeners that anything discussed in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and we are not providing any legal investment or other advice. So, Let's get started with a look at the regulatory landscape for enterprises in the cryptocurrency space. Chris, what is the current regulatory regime focused on? I think given our time constraints, there, there's so much going on in the, the regulatory uh, field right now focused on crypto companies in the cryptocurrency space. But, but given our time constraints, I think the one thing uh, I would drive home is that the primary focus going forward will be anti-money laundering regulation and compliance with existing anti-money laundering laws, increased penalties for violations of existing anti-money laundering regulations, and new, uh, potentially more onerous, anti-money laundering regulations. Uh, the, the Treasury Department uh, and in particular, FinCEN has spent a decade focusing on, uh, in sort of a piecemeal way, implementing anti an anti money laundering and AML regime, and uh, encompassing cryptocurrency companies and businesses in this space within that regime. And at the end of last year, you saw. Uh, bipartisan support for this focus on a AML issues. Uh, the Republicans and Democrats passed over uh, President Trump's veto, the National Defense Authorization Act, part of which was the Anti-Money Laundering Act of 2020 that increased penalties on companies that and, and businesses that violated AML rules, that uh, created sort of solidified decades worth of AML regulation from the Treasury Department. And going forward, I think there's only going to be an increased focus on that. The the outgoing Treasury Department uh, were implemented, sort of proposed, they didn't implement, but they proposed rules that would increase compliance burdens on companies in the space, including requiring exchanges to collect and report identification information uh, for beneficiaries using unhosted wallets and lowering the threshold uh, for the amount, the monetary value of transfers for which they have to collect information about their customers. And it, it was met with uh, sort of severe scorn from businesses and enterprises in the crypto space. But while the Biden administration has put a hold on those so they can consider those proposed rules, I think given 
Janet Yellen's comments and given the bipartisan support for the Anti-Money Laundering Act, Washington agrees on one thing these days, and it's that they don't want cryptocurrencies used for uh, money laundering, and they don't want it used for uh, illicit uses such as financing terrorism. And they are agreed across the board in Janet Yellen's recent confirmation um, comments uh, drive this home that they are focused on and they will be focused on going forward AML regulations and making sure exchanges and other cryptocurrency businesses comply with existing and new um, AML regulations. So there are some positive regulatory developments specifically regarding banks and the traditional world of finance, right Chris? Could you tell us about those? Absolutely. We've we've had some announcements from the OCC um, starting back in August 2020 that federally chartered financial institutions could begin offering cryptocurrency custody services for their customers, both institutional and retail. This is an important change and could potentially have a great impact on what services federal financial institutions can offer in what is a very rapidly evolving industry. This guidance came in OCC in the OCC's interpretive letter uh, 1170, I believe, and has been considered a major development for the crypto industry. Previously, all these services had been all these services had been handled by specialist firms that were operating under a state license, like a trust charter, for example. And now there's just a broader wave of institutions that can provide these services, including regulated financial companies with federal charters. Uh, on Feb in February 2021, uh, the OCC gave conditional approval to Prodego's conversion to a national trust bank charter. And this was the second such allowance, the first one being given to Anchorage back in January. What's interesting in, about the second grant is that it was provided after the uh, comptroller of the currency under Trump, uh, a, a guy named Brian Brooks, had resigned and stepped down from his position. So it's possible that his departure and the shift in, in administrations may have less of an impact on these types of approvals and this type of innovation than some had anticipated as we move forward into the Biden administration. I have to say, though, it's unclear at this point, as of the recording of this podcast, who the next controller of the currency will be and what their views on on cryptocurrencies and, and how that interacts with the traditional, the, the realm of traditional finance, uh, what, those, what those views will be. But as we move forward, we can certainly hope that the innovative OCC policies will continue. So there are some limitations, but also some really great things happening on the regulatory front. Chris, I'm curious, what are some things that the agencies are doing on the enforcement side? For example, how has the SEC pushed aggressively to police the world of ICOs? There's a real push and pull between agencies uh, and also within the agencies themselves on how to approach enterprises in this space. On the one hand, we have the Treasury Department in FinCEN that is really focused on uh, in, you know, implementing uh, and, and increasing the compliance burdens on, on enterprises in this space from an AML perspective. Then you have 
uh, an agency like the OCC, which is really making strides to sort of combine the worlds of traditional finance and crypto finance in, a, in an innovative way. And then you have uh, agencies like the SEC, which has spent the last decade aggressively enforcing uh, securities actions and, and lawsuits against companies that um, have raised funds through initial coin offerings or ICOs that the SEC considers to be unregistered securities offerings uh, and, and that they haven't registered and they haven't been subject to any applicable exemption under the securities laws and they haven't registered with the SEC prior to, to uh, issuing an, an ICO. And a lot of these are all well publicized. Uh, you know, some of those, those actions were against Telegram, a private messaging app, Unicorn, an online gaming and gambling platform, and they resulted in really significant settlements in, in to the tune of billions of dollars and millions of dollars in penalties and fines. Um, and, in, and in fact, the Unicorn prosecution and settlement uh, led to a pretty rare intra-agency um, rebuke from SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce who complained that the settlement and enforcement action may effectively force the company to cease operations. And Unicorn has since had to go on to sort of defend itself as an, as an ongoing concern. Um, and, and recently, on the way out, uh, the SEC, uh, on the way out, I mean, uh, SEC Chairman Jay Clayton's, uh, right at the very end of his tenure, the SEC filed a lawsuit against Ripple one of its founders and its CEO for raising uh, 1.8 billion through the sale of its digital asset XRP and what they considered an unregistered securities offering. This led many exchanges, including Coinbase and Kraken, to delist the token uh, and the value of that token and plummeted something like 70% uh, on the news of this lawsuit. And so I, I think the SEC has been very aggressive in um, requiring companies that decide to to operate in this space, requiring that they uh, comply with existing securities regulation, and sort of really hammering home uh, the existing regulations and the need for them to sort of apply to these companies. And it's easy to sort of see uh, the SEC's lawsuit as sort of the Trump administration's parting shot, but I think that view is a little too optimistic. I think we can expect more of the same under under Biden's SEC, President Biden's SEC, that the, his nominee for chairman, Gary Gensler, is known as a tough regulator, fair, but tough regulator. He's a former chair of the CFTC. He led the charge under the Dodd-Frank Act to regulate the derivatives market. He revitalized the CFTC's enforcement division under Obama. Um, and, you know, he's previously stated, right, it, it's out in the open and public that he views the XRP token uh, to be a security. So he will almost certainly continue pressing this lawsuit. There may be an opportunity for for uh, Ripple to sort of come to the table again to seek a, a, a mutually um, desirable settlement. But I, I do think that we will not expect any decrease in enforcement actions. And one thing to note on this front is that these enforcement actions that we're talking about have resulted in sort of very high dollar value 
um, settlements and recoveries for for the government. And we're currently in a situation where the government is printing money at at a, at, a, at an aggressive rate and has committed to printing as much money as is needed to help the economy recover from the pandemic. And I think one thing regulatory agencies are going to be looking at are pursuing what I will call sort of high net worth recoveries from companies that they they see uh, as violative as violating various regulations. I think, uh, given the change in administration and given the need to replenish their its coffers, the government is really going to focus on um, and not shy away from these sort of top dollar enforcement actions. Chris, thank you for being on this episode and sharing these insights. Do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this podcast? Thanks for having me on, Charles. You know, there's just so much happening in this space, and it is rapidly changing and evolving, and we could be here all day discussing it. But I definitely recommend that any uh, entities, institutions, or in-house counsel um, with regulatory and compliance questions, particularly regarding crypto, reach out to, to myself or one of our experienced attorneys in our crypto group.